When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Using Rocket Pro TPO is like managing a team of all-stars. Our powerhouse squad approaches underwriters, complete document reviews, and initial underwrites in just one day. With our industry-leading mortgage insurance and with a wide variety of products to use, your mortgage game will have zero weaknesses, helping you and your clients win more closings against today's tough competition. Rocket Pro TPO compete at the highest level. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hi there. Welcome back to this episode. I'm Jen Duplessis, your host, and today I'm delighted to have a very special guest with me, Mr. Glenn Stearns. Welcome, Glenn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. So I've already done the introduction, so everybody knows who you are. So let's just dive into some questions. You know, I think one of the first things that I'm just most curious about with you, and by the way, we're both from the same area. I know that you grew up in Washington, D.C. I live in Virginia, so we're kind of in the same neck of the woods, which is really cool originally from there. But I want to talk about going way, way, way back and what brought you into the mortgage space, because that's where you started. That's where you're still at now. But you had some some extra little things that you've done in life that are pretty great. Uh, but t- bring us to how you got in the mortgage space. Was Were you in a loan officer or were you more of an entrepreneur? I, you know, I was, uh, well, to your point, I grew up in Maryland and graduated college at Towson back there near yeah. Baltimore. And yeah. uh, right after school, my buddy and I packed up the car and we drove to California without a job, without an idea, just go out and visit the West. And uh, after a couple of weeks, I decided to stay. He decided to leave. And I thought, what am I going to do with an econ degree? You know, so I ended up finding a job as a loan officer for a mortgage broker and worked at that, not having a clue, not having anybody, you know, to kind of help me or guide me. And I did it for 10 months and then started my own company. Wow. is bliss, as they say, right? <laughs> Right. And um, and then I worked for probably the next five years doing home loans for people, even though it was my own company. But 
You know, I still was a loan officer. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. When loan. when was that? How far back was that? I started in 88. In 88. Okay. The company in 89. Okay. Wow. Wow. You've really come a long way in a short period of time. It makes all of us wonder what we've been doing. Right. What have we that's been what doing? 32 years? Yeah, that's that's like that, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't think there's anybody in our industry who gets in because they went to school to be a mortgage loan officer. And and of course, that's a saying that we all say, you know, those of us that are the veterans in the industry say that all the time. But, you know, I my degree was in architecture and I couldn't find a job because it was too hard for women. You know, it still is today for men and women in architecture. Yeah. And I went, well, I'll go to this mortgage thing. I know rates are 18 and a half percent, but I didn't even know what percent was. Right, right, at the time. Right. And that was back in 81. That was back in 1981. And uh, so amazing, amazing how you got into industry. So you started off as a broker and you and then you grew from there. So how did you get connected to go into what we all know as Stern's lending? You know, how did that grow? Because I know you you assigned it off, you know, in 2000, I think 12. And, you know, it's the fifth largest privately held company, you know, back then. How did you grow that? Because so many loan officers and branch managers and brokers listen to this podcast and say, how do I scale? What is preventing me from scaling? So I think you've got a magic ingredient or a secret to helping people scale. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I try to help a lot of loan officers myself and that it doesn't happen overnight, right? This mm-hmm. is a long process. And mm-hmm. in my case, I remember as a loan officer and then a owner, I, I kept thinking, what else is, how can I get a little bit more of the pie? So I'm a, I'm a mortgage broker. Okay, what can I do next? Well, maybe I could get the escrow business, right? Because I'm already bringing that in. Maybe I could become a mortgage banker. Maybe, and I kept asking, what's next? What what else can, how can I grow to take on more of that income and revenue in, in a loan process? And, you know, I went out to my my bank and I said, you know, if can you give me a line of credit? I'd like to become a mortgage banker and I need to get a million dollar credit line so I can start funding loans and then selling them. Right. And they told me no. And I said, we're making a lot of money and doing a lot of loans. Why? And they said, well, you're spending it all, Glenn. And I said, well, what do you mean? It's my money. And they said, no, you you know, you haven't, you heard of retained earnings. And I was like, no, well, you know, what's that. Right. And so I didn't understand the process of investing in the company, right. Making the company, the asset making, you know, um, banks and other creditors and people, comfortable with your company. And the only way to make people comfortable with your company is to build the net worth and show that you are equally as invested, I guess, in that company's success. And so the next year we had grown our net worth, retained our earnings. And I went back and we ended up getting a $6 million credit line, which at the time for me, I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. (laughs) And we started being a mortgage banker, you know, and that was the beginnings of kind of cutting our teeth, learning. Uh, and that was hard because, it, again, that didn't happen overnight. When yeah. you're a brand new mortgage banker and you go out to try to do wholesale business, you know, you're going to only get the the trashy loans because who's going to give you business, you know? Yeah. And so it was, a, it was a hard process. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, obviously it it paid off, right? Over time it paid off. So when you think back on that, uh, you know, the early stages of, you know, focusing on retained earnings so that you could have a higher profit line and higher net worth. And you got through that. What do you think attributed then to the sustainability of the company, moving it on for year after year? Because some people, you know, are shots in the pan. We know that, you know, they, they make a ton of money, they become a broker, they make a ton of money and then poof, they're gone. What was it about your company, either from a tactical perspective or from a mindset perspective that gave you the longevity that it has? Yeah. You know, I had a partner and at the time when I did, you know, I said, okay, I'll be the outside guy. I'll go bring the business in and you're the inside guy. You take care of all the operations and everything. And he was a wonderful person, but he didn't, he had a big heart. And so when times get tough and the business mm-hmm. goes down, he did not have it in him to lay people off. It was difficult. And I understand that. But my mindset was I need to worry about the whole, everybody from the receptionist to the funder and the underwriters and everybody. So if we have to lay off 15, 20% of our staff because business has gone down, I want to protect the other people. And so when we got into this crossroads and he didn't have that mindset, we struggled with that and we went negative and we were upside down and, you know, the bank would call and you have checks coming in and we never bounced a check, but boy, did we come close, you know, we were. Mm-hmm. And so the stress of years of riding right on the rail of just going under continued to you know wear on me. And so finally I went to him and I said, look, I can't do it anymore, you know, and I would like to get out. I'm going to give you here's a deal. And I showed him a piece of paper and I said, buy me out. And, um, you know, he said, okay, I will, but are you going to sign a non-compete? I said, no, I'm going to go across the street and I'm going to open my own, but I just can't live, you know, every day worrying about if a check comes in and it's going to bounce. And so he turned the paper around on me and he said, buy me out, same deal. And, um, so I did, you know, and a little more to that story, you know, I had an escrow company and I did the same thing and I bought him out earlier, six months earlier. And then I ended up being the largest HUD contractor in the country because we grew these HUD contracts. So um, we had a lot going on. Well, now I've become the owner of this mortgage company, 100%, right? Because I he turned the paper around on me and, and I bought him out. But what I didn't want to do is ever go back to that place of worrying about payroll every two weeks. And so, you know, I did a deal with my title escrow company and I put in all that money into the mortgage company. And I just said, I want this thing to sustain itself and to really grow. And from that point on, when it was just mine, again, it became about retained earnings. It became about keeping the the money in the company. And so that whole evolution, right, of growing in the beginning of skating down that thin line and then going to a place where I said, I never want to look back and have those worries. It taught me a lot about just delayed gratification, I guess you could say, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's a very, very key thing. It's funny you say that because we use that with our grandkids, you know, patience, patience, patience. You don't need to spend that money. It's burning a hole in your pocket. Right. And that's what we tend to do is when we have that windfall, you know, as business owners, well, now I can hire all those people and get the fancy things and get the, you know, the software that I need and kind of make that pendulum go the opposite way. You know, it's just one or the other. It's like feast or famine. 
I love that story. I love that, you know, he had the fortitude to turn it around and, and, you know, that you said, yes, I'm going to do it. So that brings me then to sort of the tug and pull that I've witnessed with a couple, a couple of companies that I coach the company and that, and the sales managers and things like that, the pull that they have, you know, especially when COVID came in, right. Uh, Because everybody was really frustrated. They, they weren't sure they were going to be in the business. And then COVID came, they thought it would be worse. It got really well, but no one was prepared. They didn't have their systems in place. They didn't have a really good solid foundation. And what ended up happening is that they were losing loan officers left and right because the system wasn't in place, right? There wasn't right. a solid system. So they were losing loan officers thinking that it, somebody else would have a solid system and they weren't prepared either, right? Now we're in the situation where there's been a little softening in the market. And the word that I have heard with the people I'm coaching, for whatever reason, is that people are in a funk. This is the word that they're using right now, kind of in a funk. And I really feel that it's a sort of the body in motion stays in motion, that they were in so much motion of just give the, get the approval, sit around with the file, babysit the file, don't go out and talk to people. Don't bring the business in because it was just falling from the sky that now there's a void, right? So what do you suggest these companies and loan officers do when they have, they are in a situation where there's a lull and a softness and you know, they're thinking, hmm, are we going to have to pull back a little bit? How do you deal with that? Because I know you have a big heart. I've watched you on Billionaire, right? Undercover Billionaire. I watched all the whole season. And I love your the new show that I saw coming out, a few little tidbits of you helping other people. How do you weigh that? How do you balance you as an individual and in saying, you know, is this, this situation coming and how do I prepare for it so that I don't go back into that, that world? Right. You know, how, do you understand my question is? I, I absolutely do. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give you, uh, having a, had a career, you've had it even longer than I, I started in 88. You were back in the early eighties, I guess. Right. And, yeah. but we've seen cycles, right. Mm-hmm. You've seen it and they happen over and over and over again. Yeah. And so, you know, I got into it. I went through a few cycles. I thought I was, you know, out, right? Dead, take the <laughs> sign down, lock the door a couple times, put all my net worth in, you know, refinance the house, do whatever it took, right? And so I've done that a couple times. And I got to a point where after I sold the last time, I sold to Blackstone. And then I've set out because I had a little health problems, had a little cancer. And that, by the way, will, you know, take you and put you in a different headspace as far as what's important, what's an emergency and what isn't. And so having now been kind of armed with a different mindset, right? I would tell people that, you know, when you get ready and you feel the funk, right, you feel that you're going through it again. It's part of the cycle. Okay. When you're on fire and you can't do anymore, it's part of the cycle. It is never going to last. And this isn't lasting and this isn't lasting, right? It's just part of the circle. And so you've just got to understand where you are and plan for the next part, right? And so, you know, when we did get really crazy busy, is it the time to go buy the Bentley, you know, and all these things, you know? Nah, I don't think so, right? right. And obviously when you get real slow, it's either time to give it back like a lot of people have to do. Yeah. but. The point being is you've got to get to a place where you realize, okay, you know, you're going to work and work and work. And if you're a loan officer, 
that's one thing. But if you're a, an owner of a company, you know, in other words, you got to invest in the company, keep investing in the company and get to a place where you finally feel comfortable enough where maybe you can have some kind of a liquidity event, right? Take some off. But during those times when we had our best years, I never took a lot of money at the company. I paid myself a salary. I lived within my means and then the rest grew, right? And so I think if you're a loan officer, you live within your means. If you're an owner, you live within your means. And then when you do get a little extra, maybe you do go splurge if you want to do that, that's fine. But never get to a point where if it does flip, because it will flip, that you become too over leveraged or whatever is going to happen, right? So I guess my answer in real short is, no matter what situation you're in, it will not last, right? You know, this too shall pass, okay? The good times and the bad times, they're both going to pass. And it's just part of this circle. So just get ready, hold on and, you know, wait for the next swing, whichever way it's going. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely see that. I love it. You know, I was thinking it's buy low, sell high, right? It's, it really is that way when you're in the low part, just buy and invest and put more money in. I, I absolutely love that. You know, last year at the beginning of COVID, I kept saying to everyone, look, it's a short-term gain for a long-term pain. If you don't create a good solid foundation right now, you know, now is the time to be doing that. And now here we are, you know, sort of experiencing this. How do you motivate a sales team? Well, I think in the case of what we've done in the past is authenticity is very important, right? And what I've noticed is a lot of people, you know, you start getting some confidence and then you say, okay, I'm going to be the hard charger. I'm going to be the take no prisoner. I'm going to be the whatever. And I tell people, be who you are. Okay. If that's your nature, more power to you. But if you're kind, if you're someone who doesn't need to act like the neck, like who you are, right? And be who you are. And when you get there, realize a couple of things. One thing is money. It's one form of currency. It's not the currency. There's many, many other types of currency out there, including your health, including kindness, including happiness. There's other things. So who are you and what are you going to be? And then make your, build your army, build your team, build your tribe around you with that type, that style with what you are. So what we've done is we've built people knowing that this is a long-term play. If you're here just to make money, then maybe you shouldn't be here. If you're here to to have a a lifestyle that you feel good, you have confidence, you're happy, we laugh. You know, in our company, Kind Lending, we've got our portal for the broker side is called the Quickie, you know, and we have the happy beginnings and the happy endings. We have, you know, all these just funny things. People are like, did you really just say that? You know, it's like, (laughs) you're supposed to be a mortgage banker with a tie and really tight. You know, no, let's just have fun. Let's relax. It's not that, you know, it's not rocket science. We're here to help individuals change their lives, right? We're here to give, you know, an experience to a homeowner that they can rest easy that the loan is going to close. And the rest, we can be ourselves. We don't have to be people we're not. And so attracting good loan officers, make them, you know, empower them, let them do their thing, and then try to hopefully get them to a place where they can thrive because they become a better human being. And that's the style that we've had. And it's attracted a lot of people that want more than just money. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I, you know, when your wife, when I was talking to her, when she said, you know, yeah, it's called kind, kind lending. I said, oh my gosh, that's so funny. She actually gave me a hard time because I, not before that, before I even knew your, the name of your new company, 
and it's fair, it's not that new, but before I knew that I actually signed all of my emails kindly, Jen, right. And she gave me such a hard time about it. I do believe in that. You know, I think when I think back on my uh, career and I was a broker as well for a period of time, you know, I think back on that and it was never the head bubble. It was always the heart bubble. Even today, the way that I approach my coaching, it's all the heart bubble, not the head bubble. And I think that was something that was ingrained years ago in the industry and it's changed. And there's some people that just haven't followed along. So that said, let's talk about the future. What do you see going forward? In the future? What are you all looking at? What do you see externally that you're concerned about or that you're excited about? Share with us a little bit on some forecasting that you see, not so much in rates, but just the industry as a whole. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I When I look back again, having fairly long career, the mortgage banking world was a world of people that all, I think, were real close. There wasn't a lot of infighting. There was a lot of people that a lot of the owners knew each other and a lot of the, you know, everybody had been, and we were all kind of one against the banks, right? Yeah. Sort of a mastermind against the banks. Yeah, exactly. And then when the banks kind of, after you think about Basel three and Dodd-Frank and everybody where they said, all right, we don't, we're going to shed our servicing. We're going to, and then you saw the independent bankers start to take over. It created a different type of culture within our whole organization, which was then more of the, you know, if you come work here and you leave, we're going to, you know, you're not going to get paid on any commissions. We keep your pipeline, any loan and any customer you've had is now ours. And that type of mentality has been, it's really difficult if you leave, you know, or if you come over, we'll give you this huge signing bonus, but then we've got you locked in for for two years or a year or whatever. Right. And so all this stuff has made people, I think it's a very scary world of like, you you almost, you can't get out. And if you do, we're going to sue you and this kind of stuff. Right. And so I purposely, we called the company Kind Lending, because I've never believed in that. I can tell, Jen, you don't believe in that, which is, I mean, people are should be looked at not as this, you know, what can you do for me now? And when you're gone, you're my enemy, but they're valuable human beings out of hearts, right? And so, you know, we take people and I say, look, if you come to our organization and if you feel it's just not working and you have to leave, a, your pipeline's yours. B, the past clients you've had is yours. The team you brought, they're yours. They're going to go anyway. Now, you know, the, the old, we can play the fake game, put up an ad over there. And well, I caught on it. They're all going to go anyway. Yeah. So everybody, if I can't keep you happy, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at me. Why can't I figure it out? Right. So I will not punish you. And by the way, and if you do leave, you know, and, and you go, I'm going to celebrate the fact that you want to go to a place, maybe you're going to become an EVP or something I couldn't at the time provide for you. So I'm happy for you. Right. But I also want you to know the door is always open. It's we're not closing it. We're not slamming it like some of these guys. And I think the world's kind of gotten harder on more. I don't know, almost like wall street ish. That, that's it is. Yeah. It does it, feel like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see it changing a little bit and we're trying to help do that. And so someone had called me a while ago, Glenn, someone, another mortgage company is coming out with a kindness officer. How do you feel about that? I said, good. I'm happy. I hope everybody comes out with people that are focusing internally on their own staff, making sure they are the one. 
they are the first people we care about. We do, you know, we call it servant leadership, right? I work for the people that put in all their time and effort into our lives to help make this company better. And I want to make their life better. And if I can do that, the customer wins in the end, right? Because people are proud and people are happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. You know, a company that I was with had a CXO, a customer experience officer, because we, you know, moved from customer service into customer experience because we all can provide service. We all go through the same, you know, line, right? The same line. Everybody gets a mortgage the same way. Every step has to be taken, but it's how the client feels after having worked with you that will create the revolving door that comes back right over and over. And that's where the sustainability is in the long haul. You know, what you're talking about is 21st century leadership, which unfortunately is only showing up in the set, you know, in the twenties, right. In the second decade of our, right. or third decade, I guess we're in the third technically, but you know, it's just now showing up this type of leadership. So let's talk about leadership just a minute, because, you know, I know you know this. I'm, I'm happy to say this because I've been around in this industry for so long, is that a lot of people that are in leadership positions in the mortgage industry are leadership positions through attrition, right? Saturation. I'm going to go start my own business. You know, when I was way back, you and I were talking about Dave Stevens in the green room. You know, when I was back with Dave Stevens and we were working at World Mortgage, we had management training. I mean, we were trained managers. What are your thoughts about moving forward as far as leadership goes as we continue to go into what I consider to be our soaring 20s? Well, I've always believed in empowering and growing people from within. So you know, I try to get people that come in, they can be very new, they can be you know, maybe not so new, but maybe they haven't gone up the corporate ladder as far as, or maybe they they don't think they can go that far. You also speak on glass ceilings and mm-hmm. talk about people that say, you know, I'm just here and that's as far as I can go. I have never believed that, right? If you believe, by the way, since I was a little kid, luckily, I had a couple people in the weirdest of times come to me and say, you got something special, Glenn. You're going to do something really, really great with your life. And I, I was a you know, I was a really mixed up kid, right? I failed fourth grade. I had a child at 14. Okay. So I had not the greatest start, but these people that said that I thought I was embarrassed, you know, don't say that. But then in the back of my mind, it was Mm -hmm. a seed that was planted. I don't want to let them down. I want to prove that they're right. And so for whatever reason, when I've seen people who are competent, who, you know, have integrity, who are hardworking, I said, you got it. You got something special and I want to watch you thrive. Right. And so I let them have opportunities and I just watch them just, you know, just get this really pride in them. And I, they yeah. will do it. Yeah. And I love it. And I love watching them grow. And people, you know what? When you give people the ability to show their own potential, there's just no stopping people. So that's what we've done. You know, I mean, our president here right now, Yvonne. She came to me. She was a, an account executive in the beginning, right? And she showed leadership and she went up and, you know, ran all of our AEs. Then she ran the whole wholesale and then she ran the, you know, I mean, she just yeah. showed her leadership, right? And grew for the last 20 years or so. And same thing with many of the people in here that have been with us forever. You know, I mean, the one thing I'll tell you about, because I think about leadership and about a company, when you have a revolving door, it's very hard because then you go, okay, you know, well, let me put, get someone from outside to come in who doesn't know the culture, 
who doesn't understand what we're about. And then the culture changes a little to the, to what they're about, right? How they right. drive and, and ship. When I had sold the company back, whenever that was, 2014, 15, I remember that year we had six people leave out of 2000 something people, right? That was it. And I knew their names. That was in the whole company. A few years later, we had this massive growth, but we had like a 38% attrition and, and we kept going to the media. We'd stop. You just said we had a, over a thousand people leave yeah. in a year. It's like, how do we get back this, you know, this corporate, whatever, I just culture. lost the word. Right, right. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. To, you know, get back to our true roots and what we wanted right. from the, the vision from the very beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's different. And that was, you know, and again, I wasn't a part of the, the company anymore. They did what they wanted to do. And by the way, you know, they did fairly well. They sold to um, guaranteed rate here recently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they operated the way they wanted to, but it's different than say a culture of where, of where you care and where you, you thrive and you grow. It's just a different mentality. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely changing. I mean, I'm feeling it and definitely feeling the change, even from an outsider looking, you know, my husband's still a lender. So I still get, you know, I hear about his company and how they're reacting and, you know, the good old boy network that, you know, still exists in some companies, you know, that I think is sort of dying on the vine nowadays. So Glenn now, so let's talk about your glass ceilings a little bit here too, because you know, you've hit, everybody does. Glass ceilings aren't women and money. It's to me, I think that we're all hitting glass ceilings all the time. You know, I'm tapping on one right now. I was just telling my coach, I said, I'm not able to burst through. I feel like I'm just a little minor up there kind of tapping in this one area that I'm working on right now. But let's talk about some of the glass ceilings that you've broken. You know, obviously you were approached by uh, Disney, right? Or Discovery rather, Discovery and said, you know, hey, what do you think about this undercover billionaire? What glass ceilings did you break as you went into that, that you discovered personally? We all know the show. We can watch the show. If you haven't, you're crazy. You got to watch it. But, and you were really open, you know, in that show, but I imagine there's some things that you're thinking about at night and you're going, man, did I, I can't believe that that happened. I can't believe the growth that I got from doing that. Can you share with us a little bit what you experienced? So having um, an exit in the mortgage business, that was pretty public. And it was a, it was a big one for the industry at the time, having what other people would classify as a lot of success in, in that area. Why then would I go out and do a show where I'm stripped of everything, have nothing and have to build back in 90 days, a business worth a million dollars with no contacts, no money, no nothing. What can I gain from it? And that's what John Elway said to me, and that's what Richard Branson said to me. That's what these guys that said, Glenn, I would not do it. Now, they were on the show. They didn't even put them in. It's wow. weird not. They didn't even add them to the show. And as I sat there, I said, you know, the difference that I have between those two guys, especially, is I said, I went through the cancer. And when I was in the middle of the cancer, I used to say, gosh, I never would want to go through 2007 and eight again. What happened with the financial crisis and yeah. the company it was horrible. Like, oh my gosh, I got through it. It was horrible. But when I went through cancer, I said, what I would do to go back through, I lived, I fought against those Wall Street guys. I, you know, it was yeah. fun. It was actually yeah. like problem solving all the time. So right. here so I you're am in now. movement. Yeah, it's the movement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're in movement, right? Yeah. And you're yeah. thinking and you're working and living, really living. And so now here's this show. Here's some good buddies of mine that have made it 
huge. And they said, no way in hell would I ever want to do that. Going, Why? All you're going to do is, you know, look foolish in front of the whole world. <laughs> and, um, and I thought about it and I thought, you know, this is what it's all about for me is going out there and living again, putting it on the line and feeling alive. And guess what? If I fall, if I fail, if I, if any of those things that happen, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm not, it's not cancer, right? It's not my right, health. Right. And so I wanted to feel it. And by the way, I also wanted to show my kids and other people that when you get in a hole, when you are down and you're feeling like you want to give up, that's when you shine, you can shine. That's when you can be that. Who are you is not when you have all the money and when you've made it. And let me show you how I'm really philanthropic. And I give, who are you when they take everything away from you? Right. So I said, all right, I'm going to do the show. And so I went out there and just wung it. And about halfway through, did I realize I made a mistake? I'm in too deep. They were right. I'm going to fail. This is going to be, um, my kids are going to see daddy as a guy that can't figure his way out of a problem. You know, the world's, it's going to be embarrassing. It's maybe I can figure out a way to sabotage this so it doesn't air, right? Maybe I can just (laughs) quit right now. All those things that go on in our lives, not just mine, but quit, quit, run, don't, you know, all those things. And so I was, I mean, I literally, I can see myself in that show staring off at the rib fest going, how do I get myself out of this? How do I get out of this problem? And obviously I pulled out of it. I did something that I'm extremely proud of. And that's what life is about, right? That's exactly what life is. Don't give up, stick with it, gather people around you, you know, communicate, be as, you know, as authentic as you can be. And then the good things will happen. Right. And, and uh, so what came out of that show, I am so grateful for the opportunity. I'm so grateful to feel that fear and that pain again and to come out of it, you know, in a pretty good shape. So, yeah. Yeah. When was the point during the show? Cause now I'm curious, I'm going, okay. So was it, was it when you were doing the barbecue, that big vending thing, right. And every, it was just such a disaster, right. The first day it was just like total chaos. That was the first one. And I think the second one would, would have been when you lost your, your facility, right. And you had to find another place really quickly. Was it either of those or none? No, both of those happened. And it was even worse than what it looked like on the television, right? Like (laughs) I was ready to go in and we were going to move in that weekend. And then the guy changed his mind on me. And he's, you know, he didn't have the most morals or whatever, because he wanted Mm -hmm. more. He understood it. There's a TV show there. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. You need more money. So he kind of held me up. And and then I went out. Luckily, I found this other place. And people are like, Glenn. There was not a pink building, in a, you know, <laughs> that you got to paint. That's all TV theatrics. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. It, that building had been sitting there for years, pink. And everything about it, it was so lucky that we found this. And they're now thriving and everything is great. Oh, yeah. I read about that and I saw that too, you know, thriving. They, well, it was a great show. It was fantastic to watch. I, you know, personally, I loved it because I could relate to someone who was in the mortgage business, right? I had that connection with you, yeah. you know, of that. So that was pretty cool. So what, what's ahead now? What is ahead now? So kind lending is going well. Uh, you've done that. What is your next ceiling that you're kind of gazing at now and saying, I've got that. I'm going there. Yeah. You know, I love the mortgage space and I'm really happy to be back in it. 
I'm not interested in going public. I'm not interested in some spat coming along. I don't want all those kind of things that for me, again, I'm glad those guys all last year got to ring the bell and got to see their dream become reality of going, wow, other people believe in me too, right? I can understand that mentality. I don't want to do that. It used to spend half of your business is focused on keeping other people happy, meaning investors and right. you know all those people. I just want to focus on changing the mortgage landscape. I want to keep this world that we live in so that it becomes more where people are fulfilled, happy, and that, and it's not all about money, like I said. And so if I can continue to make an influence in our business, and again, not in a financial way. I don't, I don't care to sell. I don't have a right. you know 10-year plan or a five-year plan of then I'm going to get it. No, I, don't, I just want to do it until you know I'm too old to do it, right? And, <laughs> and I don't want to think of a plan. I don't think I need one. What's your exit strategy? You know, I set a pine box the other day and I'm like, that's morbid, Glenn, you know, but I just don't, I don't want an exit strategy, right. you know? Right. And right. Um, so I want to focus on making sure that, you know, when you look back, you go, that helped our industry and that, you know, the things like that. I just like being involved in change and I like being involved in making a difference. And I know this space fairly well. And so I, I like to live in it. And, yeah. but besides that, you know, it's just really, you know, uh, Discovery's asked me to do some more TV stuff. So might do that with them. Just live and thrive and yeah. grow. And, you know, yeah. just, I love it. I love it. Well, I want you to know, and I think you already know this, but I want you to know you've already made an impact. You've already done that. And I love that you're trying to do more of it because I feel like you've already made an impact in our industry and uh, just want to make sure that I said it so that it wasn't assumptive that you know that you've made an impact in this industry, you know, quite tremendously. Last question for you. What advice would you give to a loan officer right now who's just come off of COVID the best year they've ever had? Best year they've ever had. Everyone's saying it. And I'm not trying to discredit it. it. You know, it was given to them, but the best year they've ever had. If you were in their shoes right now, today, what would you be doing? Not tomorrow, not, oh, next year, we'll try it. I'll wait and see today. What would you be doing? Right. Well, what I'd be doing and what I did before was focus on purchase, always focus on purchase business, right? Focus on relationships, focus on the things that are sticky that can continue, right? When I think refinances are wonderful if they fall in your lap, right? It's great. But if you have a career, if that's what you want to have, then it's all about relationships. And usually the relationships that seem to work best are ones involving purchase transactions for me. That's what it's been. So I would, you know, go out and look at whether you're interested in how do you grow your business, if it can be with builders and if it can be with, you know, other joint venture partners, or if it can be something that gets you in a relationship that is much bigger than just, you know, the next loan. And I always thought about that, like, I'm only as good as the loan I just did. Like, what am I, what's going to happen next? And so if you have a partnership, you know, and you're good to your partner, it can last and make your life a lot easier. Right. And so, you know, we just announced a very big partnership with EXP Realty. They can do 350. Oh my gosh, that's great. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm doing the GPN program if you're familiar with it. Are you really? That's yeah, great. I'm doing the GPN program with EXP. Yeah. I'm uh, creating some of the curriculum for the training and stuff, the coaching. That's awesome. So we're yeah. doing the, we're their lender partner now. Oh, excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's a lender I can put my me behind, you know, for that part of it. Oh my God. That's wonderful. It's called success lending. You know, they own success magazine, so it it fits really well. I was just with Glenn Sanford on his boat this weekend. And, um, and so creating those relationships, right. Mm -hmm. Is, and so when they started asking me, so, you know, what's your role, Glenn, what are you going to be? I go, what's my role? I'm going to be out recruiting the best loan officers I can find because this partnership is a wonderful way with sticky business Mm -hmm. that if I can help bring in these great loan officers and they can service, you know, your real estate agents, we're all going to win. Everybody wins in this. So my role is to make sure that we get great talent in to make this successful. Like I said, I mean, if, even if we did 10% of their business, you can look at it two ways. 10% 10% of 35,000 transactions, not bad. There's still 90% of that business, right? That's out there 315,000 transactions for the rest of the world. Because people yeah. are going, Glenn, you're taking, you know, you're cutting the, you know, purchase business out. Of them. We're only going to hopefully take 10% of their business, right? You know, right, and um, right. So it's, it's good for everybody, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Good, really a good thing. It is. It's a great platform. My, yeah, my husband got his license in it too. Uh, so that, you know, I can be part of it and do some recruiting and yeah, we're just, we're really involved with the XP. I've been doing some training with them. Oh my God. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm excited about that. Okay. We're, we're done. That's all I needed to know. There we go. Um, yeah. So we're going to be, uh, you know, working parallel, parallel somewhere in that. So that's wonderful. Well, you know, I know that you've had, you know, some of your health issues. I'm so thankful that you are feeling better. I'm so glad that you're here to share this, uh, your wisdom with us today. I'm so grateful for your wife. She's just absolutely adorable. We chatted for, I don't know how long. I really would like to get her on Success to Significance as well, because I think she's got some fun stories that she could be telling too, that aren't related to you, that aren't related to you. But I, I just want to say thank you for the contribution that you've made in our industry and that you continue to make. And I look forward to see seeing all the wonderful things that you do in the future. It's been an absolute blessing to have you on the show. Uh, thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. Love talking with you. Thank you so much. So everybody, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And you know, if you just stumbled upon us, thank you so much for being here. And hopefully you love this interview that we've had. And if you've been a constant listener, thank you. Thank you for all of that patronage and support and continue to play it forward to all other loan officers and real estate agents in your community so they can learn from wonderful people like Mr. Glenn Stearns here today. And last but not least, don't forget to go and write us a great review and give us a five-star rating so that we can continue to give you the best of the best. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, Don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.